The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. Welcome back to another episode of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. I'm Elizabeth Larkin. I'm here with Gene Marks, our small business expert. Welcome, Gene. Have you seen Fargo? <laughs> the movie? Yeah. No, the TV show. No, I've heard it's good, though. Yeah. You know, I watch a lot of TV, right? Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. While avoiding socializing with people. Yes, that's correct. Highly recommend Fargo. It's okay. on FX, but it's also on Amazon Prime. Actually. Does this have actually, something, we have to buy it. Does this have something to do with today's topic? Um, absolutely nothing at all. Been, <laughs> I was watching an episode on the way over here today and uh, was thinking, like, you know, I got to tell you um, that it, it's just a great show. You got to watch tip. it. Yeah, sure. So a couple episodes ago, we were talking about calculating profits. And you had mentioned that it would be a whole new podcast to talk about how merchants and restaurants calculate profits. Yes. You know what? I think we were actually talking about job costing. So today we're going to be talking about how merchants and retail-oriented businesses, not just manufacturing or service-oriented business, can cost out their jobs and calculate how much money they're making per sale, I guess it would be. Correct. So we'll hear Gene's take on that right after we hear from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by The Hartford. When the unexpected strikes, The Hartford strikes back for over 1 million small business customers with property, liability, and workers' compensation insurance. Check out The Hartford Small Business Insurance at thehartford.com. And we're back. So the last time we were talking about a business like yours, you were walking us through... Service business. How do you cost out a job? How do you cost out a project? Right. But if you're a coffee shop, I know I use that one all the time, but I just feel like it's so universally... There are a lot of coffee shops ...understandable. Sure. Um, Or if you are a... Restaurateur, a a merchant, a nail salon owner, right? Yes. Right. It's a whole different ball of wax. Hair salon. So these are all, it's a different ball of wax when you're, and these are different kinds of small businesses. They're not project oriented or service oriented. So there's a couple of things, you know, on, first of all, big picture, Elizabeth, do you ever walk by like a coffee shop and you think to yourself, like, how are these guys earning a living, you know, I mean, like you see like a coffee shop and you're like, are they really, you know, and, um, you're right to ask that question because they're probably not earning much of a living. You know, I mean, you know, the, the numbers, when you look at running a restaurant, a retail store, typical ones, um, the profit margins, the, 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 the net income is so low for these hours. They, they are among the lowest, least profitable businesses that you can go into. I mean, uh, there's a company called SageWorks and they do a bunch of statistics and data. And I was, I was, when I was actually doing a little research on this before, they were talking about the most profitable businesses in the country. And some of them, most of them are like service related businesses. Accountants. Accounting firms are like really profitable. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, and the, among the least profitable in the country are restaurants and retailers, right? I mean, you're looking at like, again, like a, a two to 3% margin at the well, very bottom. Here's the difference though. People become restaurateurs and coffee shop owners because they're really passionate about food and coffee. Sure. No one is passionate about accounting. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we, we, that's another conversation for another day. I've met lots of nerds and geeks 
like myself, who is are a little passionate about it. I enjoy what they do and the services they provide. Oh, I'm sure but, that, but they're not like, you know, they're not, no uh, one is sitting home watching like, you know, saying, Anthony we're, Bourdain shows about yeah, and, and, being and a CPA. No kid ever said when he was 10 years old that he either wants to be a professional baseball player or an accountant, right? Okay, I do have a cute story about that. My friend is an accountant and her daughter is five and she went to visit her at work. And then the next day in school... The teacher said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be an accountant. Good for her. That kid is, see, that kid is, she's got her, her feet <laughs> the, on the floor. Yeah, she's but then very the teacher realistic. said, why? And she said, because my mom has a lot of snacks at her office. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's a good answer. Be, being an accountant is also very profitable. Besides, mm -hmm. that, that's how you can afford all those snacks. Um, but I guess the point that I make is that um, the average merchant, the average restaurateur, the coffee shop owner, the average small business owner makes anywhere on average between forty to seventy thousand dollars a year. Seventy thousand is definitely on the on the and that and you end. have to include paying your employees with that. Yeah, no, this is actually like what they take home. This oh, what they like, take so, home. So this is after, okay? okay? But it's it, it's not bad. It's a living. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? But it's it's not Wall Street earnings. You know, I mean, it's it's yeah. still it is what it is. Now the people that I know that run retail stores, coffee shops, restaurants, the the people that make money, like real money at it, is uh, they they scale. Having just one, re we're going to talk in a minute about profitability in a store and how to calculate your profit. But just bear in mind that, you know, like when you only have one coffee shop, you're just not going to make that much money. But if you've got three, four, five, six coffee shops, now you've got scale. You can purchase stuff at a volume, right? Okay. You can share resources for everything from management, marketing, accounting, whatever. Yeah. You know, you, you could have employees that are shared between the locations. Yeah, as well someone's the out system. sick, so this person goes there. Yeah, it's a lot easier. You've got more bargaining power when it comes to lease space. You get, you know, so you, the people, so I just want to just make sure that I'm clear on that, that like just owning one coffee shop or a restaurant or, or a store is, um, it, it's okay, but you really want to make some money, you got to be thinking about scale. Okay. okay. So that's, that, that's point number one. More importantly, point number two is calculating your profits. And it, it's, it, it's so important because again, profit margins are so slim. Again, you're only making two to two and a half percent of your revenues. Uh, whenever all, all is said and done, I mean, a few dollars here and there really does make a big difference in your business. So you've got to really have a handle, just a few bits of advice for you. Number one is you've got to have a big handle on, on your direct costs. So what I mean by direct costs is these are your costs of materials. This is your biggest cost in your in your store or in your restaurant. The cost of your food or the cost of the clothing that you're buying from your suppliers, the cost of your uh, you know whatever products that you that you're selling in your store. You need to know your direct costs and you need to know what they are as a percentage of your sale. So whatever you're selling stuff on, you have to make a certain percentage, your margin to make sure that you're covering your overhead. So people ask for like rules of thumb on what like you should be doing, you know, and whenever I, whenever I talk to people that are in these businesses, you know, the, the, the rule of thumb is, is that if you could be making anywhere from 30 to 40% gross profit on your direct costs, that will get you pretty far to cover your overhead. Does that include labor? No. Okay. So th that's just your your direct food costs that you're... Oh, that you're okay, okay. Okay. Sorry. So I zoned out for a minute. No, that's okay. <laughs> so then what you have to do is you then have to then calculate what, you, what you're bringing in here, which is, is labor and overhead. Okay. So... If you're if you're shooting for forty percent as a margin, and that you know that could be on the lower end, but it's you shouldn't really accept that much less than that. 
then whatever you've got left over is what's going to go to contribute towards your overhead of your store, okay, okay? or your restaurant. I'm just thinking about right now, like a nail salon. So yep. you're doing manicures and pedicures. So your direct costs would be the nail polish. The it nail would polish be, but remover. believe it or not, the nail salon's a little bit different because um, it, that's really more of a service business in a retail environment, isn't it? I mean, your nail polish really doesn't cost that much. Yeah. You know, what I'm talking about is you're at a restaurant oh, okay. and you're selling okay. food, you know, so you, about- your direct cost of your, everything that goes into making a hamburger. You know what I mean? Like, you know, what's the direct cost of that, you know, of that hamburger? So if, if your costs for that hamburger are, you know, are $3 between the meat and, you know, the, the rolls and the whatever, then, you know, your your selling price has got to be like, at least 40% more than that. And I think a lot of restaurateurs would tell you that should be even higher than mm-hmm. that, because obviously the higher your selling price, then the higher margin that you'll have and the more that you can cover your overhead. Does that yeah. make sense? Yep. Okay. Same thing if you're in a store, you're a merchant and you're selling clothes, for example, right? I mean, if you're, you know, if you're selling dresses in a dress store, your markup should be at least 40% above that. But again, a lot of merchants will tell you that 40%, it it should be a lot more than that because the more that you can have 60, 60, 80, as much as you can possibly get. But it depends on what the overhead is in your store or in your restaurant, which gets me to my next point. Okay. What you have to figure out is what is your labor in your store? What is the cost of your rent? What is the cost of your utilities? What is the cost of any other sort of you know, out-of-pocket expense that it takes to run your store or your restaurant? And I like to break it down on a daily basis. Okay. So when I look at, um, if I'm running a store and I look at all of my expenses during the course of a month, um, and again, I add them all in. I've got this amount of staff. I've got this amount of, um, you know, again, my, my lease, my rent for the month, my overhead for the month, whatnot. I then figure that out and then I divide that by 20 or 25, depending on the number of working days there are during the month. And I come to a daily, daily overhead, okay, for running my store, right? I know that I've got my margin on sales has got to at least cover that overhead on a daily basis if I have any chance of making money, okay? So if you figure that your daily overhead is $100 a day, Okay, that's your daily overhead. Um, what do you have to sell at a 40% margin so that you're covering that $100? Do, do you follow what I mean? Yep. So you have to be selling enough products that are in excess of that $100 so that you're at least going to net and cover what your overhead is. And the more margin, of, obviously, that you can get, you know, the more profit you'll be left over during the day. So if you're running a store, you're running a restaurant, you're running a coffee shop, Calculate what your daily overhead is. Figure out what you want your mar- what your average margin should be. And I think it should be at least 40%, if not more. And then you back into what you need your daily sales to be so that you can cover your overhead. And then anything over that, you know that you're making profits. Does that, does yeah. that, does that make sense to you? Yes. That's what I've seen smart restaurateurs and merchants do. And they track it on a daily basis. I mean, at the end of the day, when they put the close sign on on the door, they're like, okay, what were our sales this day? Okay, it was 200 bucks. Okay, 200 bucks and even a 50% profit is $100 of gross profit we made on that $200 in sales. And we know that our overhead, our daily overhead is $80. We made $20 in profit that day. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. That's the kind of mindset that you have to have on a daily basis to be able to make money in this business because the margins are just so incredibly slow. 
why would anyone go into a business like that? I know. It's, it's well, um, you had mentioned earlier about when you're in this business, a lot of people do it out of passion. Okay? Yeah. And I get that. You know, you're a restaurateur, you're really into it. Or, you know what I mean? Or you're maybe like a whole thing about coffee and you really want to be in the coffee business. But in the end, um, the, the number one things that brings down businesses is not their passion or their desire to do hard work. Um, it's they don't have a financial acumen for the business. I will tell you, though, I go to a nail salon that charges a little bit more than the other nail salons around where I live because right. they just do a better job and their customer service is better. That's so great. you can compete. You absolutely can. You can raise can. your prices and compete. But let's talk about the numbers in your nail salon. What's it cost to get your nails done? Can they, like, what um, do they charge you? Oh, my gosh. I actually haven't been in a really long time. I never asked my wife that because she gets her nails done. But I'm assuming what? To get your nails done has got to be what? Like $5, $10? <laughs> <laughs> Guys don't understand. Okay. What is, <laughs> I think it's like $15. $15. Yeah. And then you have okay. to tip, you know, I tip like 20%. Yeah. But that's, so. we're, we're not going to include the tips okay. because that's going to be kept by your employees. Right. So I guarantee you that nail salon owner knows that out of that $15, they've got direct costs of whatever the nail polish $3 is. $3. It's got to be really de minimis, I think for yeah. her. But okay. So say, so she's left over, say with 12 bucks and she knows that person knows that if, if she has got $120 of daily overhead in her place. She's got to have at least 10 customers paying $12 during the course of the day to just be making money for that day. Does that make yeah. sense? And anything more than that, if she has a higher volume, she can charge a little bit less. But maybe she's in a place where she doesn't have that high volume. So maybe she charges a little bit more to make up for it and provides that so much. So I have a better service. example for you because I actually just did this. So sure. I went and got my hair colored and it was... $65, I okay. think, which is very inexpensive. I used to pay way more than Please that. Please don't tell I me that because I, right. And I don't understand. All, don't take this the wrong way, but all the, everybody that, all, all, all you women with the hair and the nails, and all, it's a fortune. I mean, I don't know how everybody affords it. It's a fortune. 65 bucks even is like a lot to get. You know what it costs to cut my hair? The three hairs that I have on my you head? You barely have any hair, oh, Right, Jean. 20 bucks. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. Anyway, so it's it's $65. Um, in that model, I believe my hairstylist has to buy her own dye. Okay, so that's a different model altogether. Because yeah. a lot of times the hairstylists have, they have independent contractors that are yeah. actually doing that. So it's almost like they're, they're, renting, they're renting out space yeah. to all the hairstylists. And that's a different model altogether. But the reason I bring up a hair salon is that we did have, we did a little series on hair salons and barbershops on Small Biz Ahead and... One of the things we talked about was there's so many ways to upsell people in salons. Yeah. And I see big businesses doing that. Like if you go to an Elizabeth Arden salon and you call and they're a national chain. Yeah. You've even heard of them, right? Of course. Okay. So if you call, they're like, well, do you want, you want your hair colored? Do you want a scalp massage with that? Right. Do you right. want like you know, the warm compress, like they're constantly trying to upsell you. That's something that small business owners, I don't think do a lot in right. hair salons. Well, they, these people, they, they get it, they sell. And what they're doing is once they get the customer in the door um, and assuming that they're covering their overhead by whatever the volume of customers mm -hmm. cover the door is, 
they know that for every other additional service or product that they sell, that just goes straight to profit. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we should all be doing as well. That's why good restaurants, they have their specials for the day. Yeah. They get their waitstaff together before the evening, you know, dinner shift starts. And they're like, push the veal parm tonight, you know? I mean, because... Oh, veal is terrible. But they, you know, they they pick out certain dishes <laughs> that are certain types of profitability to them. And they say, if we, you know, we're going to we're gonna I charge it was two or three... I because that's what the chef wanted to make. No, it's not. That's not I, mean, I mean, the chef may want to make it, but... But it also has to do with how much these the wait staff is going to be pushing it because they're profitable to do, and that's why the wait they staff also choose the specials based on how profitable they are. Many restaurants do that, of course. It's a good thing it's I'm a not business. a business owner. No, it's a business because I'd be like, oh, we just really like the spaghetti. So no. <laughs> and it's the same thing with like drinks as well. I mean, a lot of businesses, restaurants, they push because they, those are very, very high margin things as well. The, what what a good restaurant does is is they look at not customers, but checks. And they look at what the average check is for for a, a diner or a party that comes to the door. Okay. Because they so same know. thing. They're the just looking thing. at their, their, their direct costs. Correct. So they look at the average check and they're like, okay, for this average check, the, the actual direct cost of food for this was 60% of the, of, the, of the check value or 50% of it. So we have a 50% margin to play with. And then they look at their overhead daily and they're like, we need to have certain amount of you know uh, you know checks of this amount on average coming through each day to cover whatever and then they get is. upset when they get to the the big let's say it's like a huge party and no one orders any alcohol yeah no one right right they're like oh man right right they're losing <laughs> so out on let but, me, but to your point though um elizabeth you said that they're they do instruct the wait staff to keep pushing pushing stuff you know would you like another drink how about desserts you know what i mean would you like some you know brandy with your coffee i mean they're, they're always selling, selling, selling because what separates the really great business owners, the great restaurateurs and the great merchants is that they don't just settle for making their nut of yeah. the one sale and like covering their overhead. They're constantly pushing other products to people so that they can make more profit. Yeah. So tell me how McDonald's does this. Do they do the same thing that a small business should do? So McDonald's is a is sort of a different animal because they have got their direct costs down to the penny in their organization. Yeah. I mean, each bit of food has been weighed and measured out. And by the way, that's a, one of the things that vexes restaurateurs is, is wastage on food. You know, I mean, different chefs, how do you figure out a direct cost of a hamburger when you have one chef using six ounces, another guy using six and a half ounces or somebody else? You know what I mean? Like, whereas at McDonald's, it is everything is it's delivered from corporate it's it's made it out it's weighted out it's it's exactly what it should so they know what their direct costs are per the dollar they also know exactly how much it's going to cost them per employees to run a franchise anymore so they know what their overhead is per store they know you know it, it, it doesn't vary from region to region i mean it is there are a few dollar variations because of say wages might be in a certain or a certain rents but might be this but they they adjust their prices but to they cover that. do basically what you're advising small business absolutely owners do. they just do it on a much larger they scale. do and you know what's funny is that um i was listening it was um howard schultz who's the ceo of um starbucks i think he's stepping down soon but he was interviewed um by alec baldwin on a on a competing co podcast of ours <laughs> Alec Baldwin's here's the thing, and uh, which is a great podcast. And um, and Howard don't, Schultz is saying, don't compliment other podcasts. right. He gets Howard Schultz as CEO to this day. He gets a gross profit report on every single store in in Starbucks. Wow. But what he does is 
he looks for the ones that are on the on the on the margins on the extremes yeah. the ones that are making less than what they would expect on a store by store basis or making a lot more than what they expect on a store by store basis and he gets it every single day he said um all across the from all How the stores around the world How many Starbucks are there thousands around there you can imagine the size of this report but he takes yeah. the time to look through it and he knows because they know how much coffee is going into a single cup of coffee. They know every single product that they sell, they've got the direct cost down, and they know exactly on a day-by-day basis what their overhead is. So, so they know what their net profit should be in their stores every day. Based on this, mm-hmm. what would be a good, like, let's say we've got a business owner out there who's like, eh, I kind of know the numbers, but I don't. Let's set a goal for them. Like, let's say by next month, you want to know your direct costs on everything you sell? I would say this. I would say that um, your your first goal is to know what your daily overhead is. Okay. That's what, that, that should be it. And again, to do your daily overhead, you want to add up your rent, your employees that you have during the course of the day, uh, the any over, any utilities, any out-of-pocket expense that you have to run your place, right? Just to turn the lights on and open the doors, What's the daily overhead? And you can you can figure this out on a monthly basis and then just divide it by the number okay. of days that you're open. Then you know, then you know how much money you gotta bring in so that you're at least covering your overhead every single day. And the money coming in is from the products that you're selling, and it's not the sales price, it's the it's the margin, the price after okay. what you're left with after your direct cost. So you, you but at least you know, I look, I know. If, if I can assume that I'm making 50% on, on every product that I sell and my overhead is $100 a day, then I know that I've got to sell at least $200 of products every day to at least cover my overhead, stay in business. And by the way, we talked many episodes ago about paying yourself. Smart business owners, they build in their salary into the overhead. Okay. So that in that daily overhead calculation, at least... You're, you're also covering you as well. And you're like, listen, if I want to get paid and also cover my expenses, you know, I need to sell at least this amount. Okay. Anything over that, though, that's your profits. Okay, so a long-term goal then, would you want a retail, like a store owner or a coffee owner or someone like that, in the long term, after they get this under their belt, right. to be able to say... I project that on a Saturday, I'm going to bring in this much money. That's a that's such a great question because um the smart the smartest business owners I work with are looking ahead. So and it, are they can that. say like on a Tuesday, I I typically make this much. It's yes, but I will tell you this much. Um, it's funny. I I learn this from all different ways. I mean, I have clients, and I my 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 daughter this for the past six months now has been waitressing at this pretty popular restaurant in Philadelphia. And, um, and I have restaurant clients as well. And it validated what I saw from my clients. This restaurant has been in business like 20 years. And they're, like I said, they're popular. They, she like not infrequently will get sent home early because there's not enough work. Like they'll staff, you know, up expecting. And, and I think to myself like, wow, I have, I have clients and, and the guy I know who even owns this restaurant, you know, you would think after all this time, he would know that on the second Tuesday in July, it's, it tends to be less busy and he would staff accordingly. But you can't know it all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the forecasting is very, very helpful and it should tell you something. But in the end, it's not you're still kind of making a hunch. That's kind of a bad amazing? position to be in for a worker. Like if I show up for my shift and you send me home happens all the time doesn't that stink 
Doesn't that, that really stink? stinks. And that happened to her and, and her other employees again. And that's just the nature of the restaurant business. So if, if you're doing that as well, although I'm sure it feels terrible to do that, um, it's re just reflective of what your revenues are. Um, but you're not alone. That's a very common practice in the restaurant I, industry. I used to work at a pizza place. Um, it was called Planet Pizza. And it the was the one from like Toy Story? No. They oh, were okay. they were not very well run. Right. And so they started doing that, sending us home. And then people got annoyed. And we quit. all quit. Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. one week I showed up and I was like, oh, I'm, I actually made plans for this afternoon. Yeah. So, so the reason why this restaurant in particular could get away with it is because when they had good nights, they were really good nights. Yeah. You know what I mean? So people are like, I'm not going to quit because, you know, yeah. she's, she's had some really good nights. But it, it does amaze me. Um, and by the way, this goes across all industries and all business owners I meet. I meet people that have been in business for, you know, a thousand years and yet. They still are making hunches on things. They still don't know. You really think you know at this point, but you don't. Your point, though, is, is really well taken. If you do forecast out, if you do your daily overhead, and if you start tracking your sales on a daily basis and you keep records of that, you should be able, at least on a monthly basis, if you do this for a couple of years, to know, you know what? November tends to be a slower month. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or August tends or to be. Or just be able to, on a Sunday afternoon at a coffee shop, be able to say, we're having a really good Sunday. Yes. Also true. Or, also true. hey, we're really not having a good Sunday. Like, what did we do last Sunday? Yep. You know, wh yep. what were the factors? Well, a lot of times you're like, oh, why? I don't know why. We're having a great Sunday today. And I'm not really sure why. You know, yeah. that happens. That I hear that a lot as well. Um, so the, the, the best you can do to sort of minimize that question mark, the better. Okay. Or just open an accounting business. Yeah, right. That seems to be <laughs> easier. <laughs> most amount of money. All right. We'll be right back with Gene's word of brilliance. Are you looking for a great idea to start a new business? Well, small biz ahead has 99 of them for you. Our new ebook, 99 new small business ideas is the first place you should look if you're interested in starting your business. You'll learn about everything from business service industries that could lead to lucrative freelance work emerging industries such as solar panel installation and professional blogging, and even tech industries that could turn into the next big thing. Head on over to smallbizahead.com and click the link in the show notes to download your free copy today. And we're back with Gene's Word of Brilliance. Three words, research and development. Okay, well, let's go for it. So uh, the tax laws changed a few years ago. We had a big change last year, but then even a couple of years before, there were some changes to it. And um, I just have to tell you, um, if you're in a business that um, makes stuff, um, it, it can be any kind of stuff, you really want to talk to your accountant about the research and development tax credit. It has become um, a lot easier and a lot more open for businesses to use and take advantage of. Um, it is a tax credit that is a credit, Elizabeth, which okay. means that when you calculate this credit, it goes right against whatever you owe for taxes. So if, if when you do your taxes at the end of the year, or your accountant does your taxes and you owe $100 in taxes, if you have a $10 credit, then you only owe $90 in taxes. So credits are really valuable. And the research and development tax credit is a huge, huge thing. It is not that easy to calculate. So you might want to get your accountant or more importantly, um, you might want to ask your accountant or Google for accounting firms that specialize in calculating the research and development tax credit. But listen, if you're working on new product lines, you're sending out samples, you're developing a new line of service. So, you know, you're, you're, you're doing any type of innovation work like that. And a lot of companies do that. 
then whatever costs are going into that, if you have in-house a chemist, a scientist, um, an engineer, anybody like of, of that capacity, or even if you're outsourcing that person, you can take that person's cost and the materials they might be using in their work and the uh, and, and any overhead associated with them, or even if they're outside of the company and they're an independent contractor, you can take that too. All of that goes into the R&D tax credit calculation. And I'm telling you, it can turn into serious money being saved. So I just want to, you don't have to be a pharmaceutical firm or be in like the science business or something. You could be a boring old manufacturer, you know, located anywhere, but you're developing new stuff, you're introducing new products, um, and you're you're employing people that are working on that stuff, you too can take advantage of the R&D tax credit. Hmm. Talk to your accountant as soon as you can. Great. That's a really good tip, Gene. That's my word of the day. All right. We'll be back in our next episode. We're going to be talking about starting a business with friends. We actually talked about starting a business with family in another episode. Yeah. So this will be... Similar, but totally different. Yeah, it's cool. Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Jean for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com. 